Now, as God told me, and I, I've been telling you, the 2018 is a year to open wide our hearts to hear and see what the Lord has to say to us. What So we will experience his love, his power, his presence like never before. God wants to download you. To you. God wants to take you to a new place. Whether you've been born again for years or baptized, filled with the Holy Spirit for years, or, or you don't even know what I'm talking about right now, this is your year. This is your time. And I'm going to just talk about it as... Oh, it's just a new year. Let's talk about it. no, 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 no. God told me, He said, "Man, this is a this is the first year of the next decade that that He's just going to continue to accelerate things, and it's up to us to get in on it. And we don't want to miss what He's doing." You see, as born again believers, as children of God, we are called to live a supernatural lifestyle. We're not called to live some mediocre, let me try to get through, let me just try to make it. But we are called to live a supernatural lifestyle. That's why Jesus left us what? He left us the Great Commission. He didn't leave us the mediocre commission, the okay commission, the Sunday commission, the hopefully commission. He left us the great commission that we are to save the lost, heal the sick, cast out devils, preach the gospels with signs and wonders following us. You see, too many believers today, we're looking for signs. We're looking for wonders. And that's better than not looking. But what I want you to realize, when you're a child of God, those signs and wonders are to follow you. That when people look at you before they even see you, they begin to see these signs and wonders associated with your lives. And as I began to talk to you even a couple weeks ago, I want to refresh you just a little bit as we're talking about this open wide. And I want you to realize that as we, you and I are called to live a supernatural lifestyle, get this, Jesus' death and resurrection is the message of the church, obviously. But it takes the Holy Spirit and His empowerment to carry the message. You see, you can have the message of the gospel, but here's the key. You've got to have a vehicle to carry it. And what carries the message of the gospel is the sweet, sweet Holy Spirit. Now, John the Baptist, he, he made it pretty clear to us. He tells us in John chapter 1, part of verse 29, he said, look, look, here comes the Lamb of God who what? Takes away the sin of the world. And then he says again in Matthew 3, 11, he said, look, look, he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. Fire. He goes on and said, first of all, he said, I will baptize you with, with baptism of repentance. But he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. And what I want you to get today is we're talking about this. I want you to understand that whether you've served God a long time, you've given your life to him, or maybe you've given your life and you've been filled with the Holy Spirit multiple times in your life. We need to get whatever we need to get from God. Because whatever I need, I need now. I don't need it yesterday or tomorrow. You see, faith is a now thing. Hebrews 11. Now faith. Now, not yesterday faith, not tomorrow. Now faith is what? The substance of things hoped for. The evidence of things not seen. But hope is nothing unless faith is attached to it. Because I can hope tomorrow's better. I can hope I get healed. I can hope my children get saved. I can hope for a lot of things. But hope 
only does things to encourage you and keep you poised or positioned to receive a miracle or to receive a breakthrough. But here's the key, guys. Where it really comes in is when we take that hope and we move into the arena of faith. And faith is knowing and trusting God. You see, the more I know him, the more I trust him. And when I pray and when I, I, I ask and I commune with God, guess what happens? Things began to grow in me and I began to get evidences of him and how real he is and how powerful he is. You see, John said something very interesting. So, so here he gave us two key components of why Jesus came. First of all, he came obviously to save, right? To save the lost. But the second thing he came to do was what? Baptize his believers with the Holy Spirit and fire. Now, when we think about that, the Holy Spirit, when we're, there is one baptism, the Bible talks about that we are baptized into, we are baptized into salvation. We are baptized into Jesus Christ. There's actually three baptisms. You're baptized into Jesus Christ, into the kingdom, and he's in you. That's when you become born again. Your spirit that was abiding in a state of death is resurrected and baptized, covered, immersed in Jesus. We are saved by grace through faith. Jesus is that grace, right? We're saved by that name, right? Jesus, Lord and Savior. Then there's the water baptism, an outward showing of an inward faith of the works God's done. And then the third baptism is what we're talking about here. The baptism of your spirit that got saved with the Holy Spirit of God. Now, when we study the Bible, we're taught that that's why they said, Jesus said, talk to John's disciples. They were baptized by John the Baptist. They were called his disciples. So we see in the Bible where Apollos baptized people. So baptism is used in reference during this time of whoever baptized you, when you became a believer, whoever baptized you, that's who's teaching you sat under. So John said, you know, I baptized you uh, with repentance and so on, but he is going to baptize you in the Holy Spirit and fire. Now, how can Jesus do that? Well, he tells us that when he, when he died and he rose again, and, as, and, and he said as he was ascending to heaven in Acts 2, he said, I'm going to leave in Acts 1. He said, I'm going to leave the promise of the Holy Spirit with you, Acts 1, 4. And he said, I'm going to leave the promise of the Holy Spirit, the Paracletos, the one called alongside and he went to heaven ascended and he's on the right hand of the Father. The Holy Spirit came and lives in the earth and lives in every born again believer. Now when we're baptized in the Holy Spirit, here's what happens. When we're immersed now, not only we, we, we're baptized underwater, we, we, what we came in to confess that we are Jesus, disciples of Jesus, right? But then when your spirit is baptized, when your spirit is immersed, he said it will be not only baptized or immersed in his Holy Spirit, but it will have evidence of fire. Amen. Now, when we look at fire, and as I looked at that some and was thinking about fire, uh, there's a few key natural components to even a natural fire. A natural fire does what? It brings warmth. 
It warms you up, which thank God for it, right? And when you're baptized in the Holy Spirit, things will heat up in your life. Things are going to heat up and fullness brings a fiery level of God's presence. When you are baptized in the Holy Spirit, you go to another level of intimacy in God as he is in you and on you. You see, the Holy Spirit lives in me for my sake, but he's on me for the sake of others. And when I begin to realize that and receive that and walk in that, the fire of God brings a presence, a warmth, an existence on me that I would not feel by just being born again. I'm born again by, uh, through grace, by faith, right? So, so I'm believing that and I experience it and I sense and know it. But when I'm baptized in the Holy Spirit, it's a whole other level of signs and wonders that's on my life of his presence and power. The second thing natural fire does, it brings light. It brings light. So whenever we start a fire, you what? You instantly see or get light. And the same is true of the spirit baptism. Whenever you're baptized in the Holy Spirit, it begins to bring light into your life. Paul talks about this in Ephesians 1.18. And he says this. He said, I pray the eyes of your heart may be enlightened. Hmm. I didn't know my heart had eyes. I didn't know my heart had ears. But see, everything in the spirit realm is unseen. Unless you see it through faith or the Holy Spirit reveals it. And you don't see it with natural eyes. You see it with your spirit man, your heart. You see, the Bible is referred to cardia as a, 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 in, in, in your life as a fleshly heart. It's also referred to as, uh, well, actually another word for cardia. But it's referred to as fleshly heart. But it's also referred to as your soul sometimes. And sometimes it's referred to as your spirit, the candle of the Lord. And your heart, when it's talking about it right here, this scripture, Paul is talking about your heart may be enlightened. So when you are born again and the Holy Spirit of God lives inside you, you, the Bible says in 2 Corinthians 5, 17, you become a new creature in Christ Jesus. Old things pass away. Look now, all things become New. Now I can see and hear and feel and sense things that I couldn't feel or sense because I wasn't a new creation. I was living under the dead old man that was born in this natural world. But when we're, then it says, so not only are things opened up and my heart begins to see when I'm a Christian, when I'm born again, but look at this. The second thing it does when I'm baptized in the Holy Spirit, the eyes of my heart are opened or enlightened. So it's not only is my heart open now, I'm in a new kingdom and, and I can sense and feel things I used to not sense and feel. And there's just things I don't know how to explain and understand, but it's different. I'm different. I'm not like I used to be. I don't think the way I used to think. And I don't do the things I used to do. I mean, I have my ups and downs like everybody else. And, and, and the, the, it opened up a doorway of the kingdom and opened up a doorway of the presence of God and the power and eternity itself because the shortest existence you and I will ever experience is while we're on this planet. Amen. So if you're alive here for 80, 100, or 120 years, that's not that long in the eyes of eternity, right? Because right. that's forever. And But Paul said it's one thing to open your heart when you become born again, but it's a whole other thing for your heart to be enlightened. Right. 
for your spirit man now to see and to hear things that it couldn't see and that it couldn't hear before. Paul calls it revelation. Revelation means to reveal, to uncover the heart and the mind of God. We call it nuggets. We call it the logos of the word of God, the rhema, the promises of God. We call revelation a lot of different things. But it's when we begin to see things through spiritual eyes and hear things with spiritual ears that we didn't once understand until we became sons and daughters of God. I know that uh, whenever uh, we talk about, see which way I want to go with you guys. Well, let me give you the third one, then we'll go on. The other thing it causes the, it, the that fire does it gives off energy. Energy. Fire is combustible. It can, you know, you can take a fire, heat it up. As the fire gets hotter. And it can heat things up that causes steam, and steam can be transferred into making electricity through coal, through wood, through even, you can do it through water as well. But the Holy Spirit, when it talks about the dunamis power of God, is talking about the power like a dynamo or dynamic. So fire, a natural fire can be made into energy, steam to produce, to pulsate things. It can also be made to produce enough heat to help transfer, to, 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 to have electricity and so on, and power plants. But the word dunamis also means to blow up or to explode or to annihilate. So the Spirit of God, when it talks about the Spirit of God or the power of the Holy Spirit, that word power can mean one of two things. It can be referred to as something that annihilates and breaks and tears down strongholds. Or it can mean something that is bringing a transference in your life, a new anointing, a new dynamic to strengthen, to empower you. One illustration I used to give years ago, you go out and see a big D8 or a D9 bulldozer, and they're huge. I mean, you have to just about get a ladder to get up on one. They're big, and they have these big blades. And what's so interesting with those big blades that weigh probably five, ten tons, the blade is monstrous. And you got this guy up there, he's just taking his finger and just turning that blade up and twisting it. He's just taking his finger and moving that thing and moving these massive tons of earth as he goes, and he's just moving that blade. And then, if one of those hydraulic hoses breaks on that big old five to ten ton blade, he can't get out there. He has to get a jack out there and try to lift a corner up where when he had the hose connected with the hydraulic fluid being pumped into it, those two hoses, one on each side, would lift and move that blade. What? Well, there was a dynamic happening. A dynamo, a dynamic happened from the force of the hydraulic fluid coming through and the pressure transferred that into lifting or lowering that blade. That's what the Holy Spirit does in our life when we move beyond just giving our life to Christ and being born again. But what it does, it also gives us the ability to lift and to tear down. It gives us the ability to transfer. It gives us a dynamo or a dynamic in our life to do things that we could never do before, to see things we could never see, to hear things we could never hear, and to be more effective for Christ. Because remember, it's not just a good commission. An okay commission. It's the what? Great commission. And as we understand the power of the fire of God, as we understand that it gives off warmth, it gives off light, 
and it gives off energy. And what I want you to realize is, is the Holy Spirit wants to have an all-out invasion in your life. No matter what your background is, where you're from, the Holy Spirit in 2018 wants to have an all-out invasion on your life. Jesus tells us about it in Acts 1-4. He said it's the promise. Wait for the promise of the Father. And when you surrender totally, you can experience that. A few weeks ago, I had a huge sword out here and I shared with you that I could take that huge sword and put it in a very intense fire. And man, the fire could be so hot that you'd have to take another instrument to pull the sword out of it. And that sword would be so hot, it would be glowing red because it was solid steel. Now, the sword being in a very intense fire did what? It took on the nature of a fire. It heated up, became very hot. It became something you know, like Rambo. He got a, you know, had to, uh, his arm cut open or something. Or these superheroes, they take their knife and heat it up. And shh, they burn it and purify their arm. Right? It's a protector. It's a healer. It's, it's, it, 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 the, the sword at night can glow, and uh, you know, it can let me see getting around. The sword can get rid of infections. The sword can be protected. But get this. The sword never became the fire. The sword only takes on the nature of the fire. You see, when you're baptized in the Holy Spirit, you don't become the Holy Spirit. You take on his nature and his likeness. It's like, it's like if I put a glove over my hand right now, I can take that glove off and it wouldn't do much, but I can put my hand in that glove and it can be covered and that, that, that hand can be covered and it can do things and you would think, man, that glove's amazing. You take that glove off and it's his liner. And that's the way it is with the Holy Spirit. If we're just letting him lie around, he's not doing much. Yeah. And that, you know what he does? He just leads you along and goes find somebody who wants to do something with him. Wow, that's right. You see, we need to learn how to fan the flame of his Spirit. We need to learn how to amp up, to turn up the fire and the evidences of the fire in our life. You see, we, we understand, well, you know, when we were baptized in the Holy Spirit, we get all, you know, it's the evidence of speaking in tongues. Sure, yeah, you get your prayer language, and that's great. But if you don't have the fire, are you really baptized in the Holy Spirit? You can just pray in tongues. But see, what good is it if I can... My gifts are without repentance, and later on in my life, I get cold toward God. I can still pray in tongues, but I talk like a devil. I act like a devil. I live like a devil. I might be a devil. Come on. Right. Right. I have gifts. But the part that is the identifying characteristic is what are you doing with those gifts? And that Come comes on. from the heart that hears and sees and is enlightened by God yeah. and the Spirit. And guess what? That comes from a heart that has the evidence of the symbolism of fire. That brings light, that brings energy and power, that brings protection and brings healing. So I want to ask you today, what you that have been experienced God and been baptized in the Holy Spirit, how you doing? How's the fire? I mean, are you fervent? Are you fire on fire praying? Is it exciting to get ready on a fast? Or, or are, you, are you, man, are you just sensing and experiencing God, worshiping in your car when you're going to work like never before? Man, you're just seeing things about people's lives and hearing things. And, 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 and things are just, man, it's, you know, you're just like amazed at what you see and hear and how you can reach out and touch people and minister to people and stuff. Or are you just kind of like, I'm getting through, I'm doing okay, brother. 
leave me alone, I'm here, right? It's cold out and I'm here. I saw on Facebook the heat was out, so I'm sitting in the foyer with you. I mean, come on. What? <laughs> come on, Pastor. Well, you can put a biscuit in a garage for 100 years that won't make it a car. That's right. You hear that? You can put a biscuit in a garage for 100 years that won't make it a car. So you can come to church seven days a week and it won't make you a child of God. That's right. And you can be a child of God seven days a week and still not be baptized in the Holy Spirit until you ask in faith and receive. Come on. See, we get all caught up in receiving the Holy Spirit and, you know, some groan, some wait, some tarry, some weary, some get anxious, some get hands laid on them and water poured on them and oil poured on them and tossed it. I don't really care. Whatever you got to do, you just need to get it. That's right. <laughs> But the Holy Spirit comes the same way. The baptism of the Holy Spirit comes the same way as salvation or any other gift from God. It comes through faith. And you asking for it. And when you ask for it in faith, Jesus said in Matthew 6, he said, Would my father, you evil fathers know how to give good gifts to your children? Would my heavenly father give you a bad gift, an evil gift? No. If we ask him for a gift from the Bible, we're going to get good gifts from him. So what I want to encourage you with today, as we're going into 2018, I want to talk to you about a couple key things that's going to help you fan the flame. Everybody say fan the flame. Fan the flame. And tonight's going to be important because it's going to be a time of communion and consecration, but also a time of impartation. Yes. Impartation. Tonight. You're actually getting some of that today. So how are we going to fan the flame? Here's the two key. How much time I got, Paul? He's going, it's not good. Ten minutes. Okay. That's that might have been a graceful 10 minutes too. So I want to talk to you this about fasting and prayer. Because that's two keys to fan the flame of the Holy Spirit in our life. So as we talk about prayer, let me give you a quick one on that. Prayer, Jesus was asked how to pray. And he said, here's how you pray. Hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come, thy will be done. Where? On earth as it is in heaven. That's right. On earth. Didn't say when you get to heaven, do his will. It said, do his will, just like you're in heaven, on earth. Do you think you'll be doing some of the stuff you're doing right now in heaven? No. So whatever is going on in the kingdom of heaven, we're to manifest it in the earth. That's right. Because the Father sits there and the Son's on the right hand, side of him in authority. And he gave us the paracletos, the Holy Spirit, not only to live inside us. But to live on us, around us, and for us. That's right. So we're here to manifest the kingdom of God in this planet. Yes. That's why he commissioned us with the Great Commission. So as we look at that and we begin to wrap our minds and wrap our hearts around it, what is prayer? I, I got a very simple definition I learned years ago from my, my third pastor because I've only had the three in my life. Uh, and this was when I was in college and I got hired on at World Harvest Pastor Rod and also a spiritual father and a mentor. And, uh, you know, uh, he taught this and I'm not even sure where he got it from, but I'll live by it. And it is prayer is simply this communing and conversing with prayer is what communing, meaning communion, taking communion, being intertwined, mixed together and active fervent relationship and communication being in communion together so prayer is communing and uh, being in communion with and having conversation with 
God. So communing and conversing with, asking and receiving from God. Prayer is communing and conversing, having conversation with, asking and receiving from God. Prayer is being in communion, intertwined of him. Spirit of spirit, flesh of flesh. Prayer is communing and conversing. Conversation is not one-sided. We're not here just to talk at God or toward God. Conversation is a two-way street, not a one-way street. So if I'm going to converse or have conversation with God, I have to do it through the enlightenment of my heart, my spirit man, through the spirit of God. And anything that I'm going to access in the unseen realm comes by grace through faith. It takes faith, knowing and trusting God and releasing it to, to get into the heavens to the unseen. So prayer is communing and having conversation with. You know, the reason a lot of our prayers don't get answered is because we're talking at God and telling him what we need. And it's about us and not about others. And it's not about his kingdom. The, the third key to this is when we commune, communing and conversing with, look at this, this is important, asking. What is asking? That's where you, that's called the prayer petition. It's where I make a petition, a petition, a request. I'm, 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 I'm using the word and, and the things that God spoke in my heart and my mind and desires and needs that line up with that. And I'm petitioning. I'm putting that before God. And then we're having conversation. He might say, you're not ready for that. Or, well, maybe I'll do that. I'm just going to answer you. And that might be your answer for 10 years. I don't know. So we're, we're petitioning through faith making a request. And, and I think a lot of times we'll get that down, the communion, the relationship with God. We'll get the conversation. We're starting to learn how to talk to God and hear from God. And, and, and we're even getting enough faith to make a request, petition, but we don't have enough faith to do the fourth component, receive. Receive. Sometimes receiving is the hardest thing. We can get fired up, a problem's painful, a situation's difficult, tough, and man, we gotta, you know, we're, we're communing and conversing with God. We're, we're working on our relationship, and trying to keep ourselves pure and powerful, and we're doing all that, and, and we're, we're doing all these things we need to do. But we're not doing that last thing. Actually, by faith, accepting or receiving it as though it's done. Wow. That's prayer in a nutshell. Now let me give you the final one. I got five minutes to give you the final <laughs> key here, fasting. Everyone say fasting. fasting. Let me tell you what fasting is. Fasting is stated simply as this. Biblical fasting is refraining from food for a spiritual purpose. Refraining from food for a spiritual purpose. Fasting is not refraining from television. Fasting is not refraining from your computer. Faster is not re fasting is not refraining from I'm just not going to gossip as much right now this month. Fasting in the Bible is refraining from food. Now, if you're refraining from enough food, you'll forget about the computer and the television. You'll even get to the point you're more focused on your flesh and what's going on with it right now and how to come with it. You won't even have time to think about someone else to gossip about. Amen. It will totally focus you inward to get you to depend and trust God. And then after a day or two or three, you begin to just open up to the unseen realm like never before. Now, there's three basic kinds of fast. There's lots of different lengths of fast, and there's, uh, there's, there's all kinds of different lengths and different things like that. But there's basically uh, three different kinds of fast. Well, before I get into that, let me get into this. 
David, we see that he fasted and prayed. We see that expressed in Psalm 42 when he was going through some crazy stuff. Psalm 42 verse 7 says David did what he was praying, praying and fasting. And he called deep unto deep. He began to get things from God. Downloads from God. Revelation from God. You see, when you begin to eliminate food, when you begin to take some things out of your life that, 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 that gets you open and stripped down to hear God and to communicate with God, you begin to see and hear things that you wouldn't in just your normal everyday existence. While David was fasting and he was hungry and he was thirsty, all of a sudden that natural thirst turned to a natural hunger and thirst for God and the things of God. And it became greater than his desire for food. And he, he reached a place where he could cry out loud from the depths of his spirit, his heart, the depths of God in the midst of this terrible trial he was in. You see, once you experience this intimacy, once you experience this time with God, it begins to change things in your perspective of what God can do. There's countless rewards and blessings for fasting, and, and, and we might talk some more about that tonight. Even Jesus said it's the duty of every disciple to fast. He was asked by the Pharisees in Luke 5, you know, why don't your disciples fast? And he said this. He said, can you make the, the friends of the bridegroom fast while the bridegroom is with you? Question. But the days will come when the bridegroom will be taken away from them. Anybody believe Jesus is in heaven right now? Right? And it says, then they will fast in those days. Who? His disciples. People who follow him, who call him Lord and Savior. So, now let me get to this. And I know I'm rushing on this. The Bible records different circumstances for fast. The Bible records different types of fast and different lengths of fast. But let me give you three key ones. Three key fasts. It's real simple. Three types of fast. The first, and they're found in the scripture. The first one is an absolute fast. The second one is a normal fast. And the third one is a partial fast. An absolute, a normal, and a partial. The absolute fast is a very extreme fast where we begin to get food and other liquids up. You know, we drink water and so on. But we begin to, it's, it's something where if you're not at the greatest health, you need to get medical consultation. You don't just jump in and do long periods of multiple days without knowing your health situation. You still might even need to be monitored for that. So you use wisdom on an absolute fast. I don't have time to give you illustrations of different people who did that. Uh, you know, Jesus and Moses and David and others. But So the second kind is a normal fast. And this is where you typically go without food for any amount of days, a certain number of days, not just a half a day or something, but a certain number of days. You drink obviously plenty of water. And depending on the length of a normal fast, you may also take some clear broth and juices. So what I've found is when you go on even like a Daniel fast, which is the next part of the next one, the third fast is a partial fast. And it usually involves giving up certain kinds of foods and drinks and for an extended period of time. So when we look at a normal fast and, 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 and that's where, you know, we might go on a three day fast or a seven day or a 21 day or a 40 day, whatever it might be. What I've found is that whenever you get through that first day and a half, two days in your body and you're just doing liquids and you might have to do some chicken broth and some other things and you're like, chicken broth, he would eat that stuff. Man, let me tell you, after about two days of fasting, then you are a connoisseur of chicken broth. You can go in any store and look at the all natural, the non-natural, the in-between. You don't care if it's natural. You want something in you other than water or some kind of juice and chicken broth all of a sudden becomes wonderful to you. And you'll find things that you just thought, you would laugh at people for eating and you'd be, oh, I'll drink that all day long. 
you know, and, and, and you start learning. Why? Because your body is having to come under. Yes. It's having to come under so God can open up to it. So we, we, we see those kind of fasts. Then the third one, the partial fast, you know, that's where people will fast maybe from sunrise to sunset. Now, I didn't say from time you go to sleep till you get up. It's not a fast, right? I'm talking about when you're awake, before you go to sleep. Or some people will fast lunch or something. But fasting a partial fast. Or they might fast uh, while they're at work or a half day or so many days. So, so what I want to encourage you is we're coming into our 21-day fast. We started on January 1st, but you might want to start it that evening or the 22nd or the 2nd. But we're going to go 21 days, and I'll show you the power in that in just a moment. Uh, and a lot of people will call it the Daniel fast. You know, and you can do the Daniel fast. That's giving up. You're just doing vegetables and juices and no sugars and all that. But the big thing I want to get you is this. is for the next 21 days, you give up something that you love to eat or whatever. And if you can... You know, start out, and what I like to do is kick off a good three-day fast of just juice and vegetables, and or maybe just water sometimes, just depending on how I'm going, and and then get into the vegetables and and that kind of stuff. But it, you know, sometimes I'll go seven days of just water and juice or something. But it's everybody's different. But the main thing is, there's a certain level of challenge for you. So what is it that challenges you? What is it that presses you? What is it that gets your attention? Because listen, if it don't get your attention, it won't get God's attention. Amen. So it doesn't matter what I do or someone else does. If, you don't, if it don't get your attention, it won't get God's attention. So whatever you fast, I'm talking about television and computers and all that. I'm shopping or whatever. No, I'm talking about food. To your belly growls. And you will begin to see things happening. That will enlighten you and stir you up. As we get ready to pray, I'm going to take two or three more minutes here. And I want you to realize that every assignment has a birthplace. Jesus tells us in John 10, verse 27, he says, My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they know me, and, I, and they follow me. So this is how he created us, that he could speak, we know his voice, and that we would follow him. Fasting is a key. And when you look at most key assignments in the Bible, they come through a time of prayer and fasting. It's because fasting is the birthplace of assignments. So if you want to hear God's voice, if you want to know his voice, then start fasting. Now, if you're just giving up food and not having any worship or any prayer, there'll be days you don't want it to. But if you're not having any worship or prayer, then that's just a diet. So it does take some time where you set aside and have some prayer and some worship. That's what I like to do. So now, the answer is you still work and go on through your day. So, Paul made an appeal to us about the assignment being the birthplace of sacrifice and fasting. He said in Romans 12, 1, present your bodies as a living sacrifice, which is your reasonable service, which is holy and acceptable to the Lord. Present your bodies, your flesh, your blood, your mind. Present your bodies. And fasting is a way to present my body. It's a way to just get my body back under submission and control to hear the voice of God. Then he said in verse 2, be not conformed to this world, but be transformed or renewed uh, uh, to prove what is the good, acceptable, perfect will of God. So if I want to get into the will of God and be active and in the right place at the right time and the right things for God, it's going to come through some fasting. And it's definitely going to come through prayer. 
And then prayer is mixed with what? Communion. Asking. Receiving. You see? So it all works together. And this will be a great kickstart for you. We even see it, Paul, in Acts chapter 9, that after he was knocked off his beast and had an encounter with Jesus, that he gave his life to Christ, but he was struck with blindness, the scales over his eyes. And he was in prayer and fasting when Ananias came in verses 7 through 9 and prayed for him. And the scales dropped from his eyes. And he got his assignments that he was being an apostle, a missionary to the Gentiles. That's how you and I came into this thing. And then finally, Job 2. Job, the book of Job begins to tell us about a time where Israel, the nation of God, was in backslidden and far away from God. And, uh, and it was just far away from God. And, and, and fasting is what prepares the way for you to receive the revelation and fresh vision and clear purpose back in your life. We see in Job 2.28, it says, And it shall come to pass afterward. Everybody say afterward. That I will pour out my spirit. This is God telling Israel. And it shall come to pass afterward that I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. Your sons, your daughters will prophesy. Your old men shall see dreams. Dream dreams. And your young men shall see visions. And we see that in Acts 2, right? After Peter declared the gospel and this manifested and began to happen. We're living in it today. So God was what? Going to pour revival, restoration out to Israel, Israel when? Afterward. Afterward. See, we need to move into an afterwards anointing. So we can receive an afterward word and afterward power to do his great commission. After what? After a fast. Because he tells them in verse 15 in Joel, blow your trumpet in Zion, consecrate a fast, and call the sacred assembly. Think about that. Call sacred assembly. And what is it? Consecrate a fast. So that's what we're doing. Starting January 1st. If you want to start that evening or the 2nd. But we're going to start the first. I'm starting at the first. You start whenever. And we're going to do a 21 day fast together. And it's not just for us individually. But it's for us as a people. There's power in a corporate anointing. There's power when we come together. And do it together. It multiplies it. Just imagine if we came together individually. What it would do for us and our families and friends and neighborhoods and cities and schools and nation. The power that we can have together. Just think what could happen in America if 2 Chronicles 7.14 happened. If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray. And seek my face and turn from their wicked ways. Then I will hear from heaven. And will forgive their sin and heal their land. I mean, don't we want our nation healed? Don't we want our nation saved? It starts individually. I wish the church would get it right. I wish the politicians would get it right. I wish... No, no. Let's get it right. Get what? Our hearts right. Our hearts positioned. Our hearts poised. Right. Now, I want to pray for you here. I'd like you just to, if you would, just bow your heads and close your eyes and... I just really like for you to, you know, to say, you know, that, that this is going to be a year. Whether you've been in this thing a long time or you're just getting in it, say, man, I want, I really want 2018 to be the year that my heart opens wide to hear to see God. What He has to say to me is that He will pour out His love, His Spirit, His power on my life like never before, like I've never experienced it. Not just for me, but for others. And that's what happens with prayer when prayer is not just for us, but it's for others. 
It accelerates things. If you're saying, man, Pastor, I just want to have faith to do that. I, I just want to have encouragement and strength to do that. If that's you, just put both hands up in the air. I want to pray for everyone. And this is, I want the faith and the presence to do that. Yeah. Father, I just thank you for those that are so honest today. And we're, we're just coming here. I believe in the anointing. We don't have to sit up here and do a bunch of stuff. I believe the anointing is here now to encourage, to strengthen, to impart, to reveal you in such a way, God, that it challenges us, convicts us, not condemn, but convicts us, encourages us, and strengthens us to do your will, to fast, to pray, to commune, to petition, to receive from you so that we can do your great commission and bring others along to do it in Jesus' mighty name. Now, now the Holy Spirit is telling me that, and that's what I was saying earlier in the service, that I just see a, a family, the husband that's very busy and active, and you guys have some adult children and a younger child, but I just see that the Holy Spirit said, I'm going to touch him this year. He's just been battling depression, and he's been battling anxiety, and middle-aged life, and disappointment was things with family, and sickness hit loved ones. And the Holy Spirit says, I'm, I'm just going to give him a fresh infilling of my spirit if you'll just pray and put your faith out. If you'll fast and pray and believe for their breakthrough, speaking to the wife, speaking to the children, speaking to the friends of that person. You see, prayer operates this way. Another way it operates is through intercession. Intercession means prayer for another. Intercession works through three avenues. Number one, intercession works through intersections. That you can pray for someone and release and intercede through your gift of tongues and through English as well. And pray over their life and focus on them. And the Holy Spirit can meet them at a key intersection decision they have to make. And give them, help them to make the right decision. Encourage them to take the right path. Intercession. Another thing that intercession does, prayer of intercession, prayer for another does, is it uh, intercepts. You can pray and release God's angels. You can pray and release faith over people and believe. And, and, and especially when you're fasting, man. Fasting and praying for them. To, for the, the fiery darts of the enemy to get intercepted off of their lives. That's where Ephesians 6, 12 comes in. Where we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but principalities and power and wickedness being more high places. And he gives us a shield of faith to, to come against those, combat against those fiery darts. And then the third one is intervention. Your prayer of intercession intervenes. You can release it to commission it to intervene on the life of others. What's that mean? It, it intervenes. It's an intervention. It can come in and bring transference and transformation into their life. Transformation into situations. To bring them out of situations. To, to put them in the right situations. You can do that. Now, the reason I told you all that. Was during, is during this time of prayer and fasting that you target some things in your life and the life of others and put a list together of three to five things and say, man, this is what I'm believing for during this fact. And target and every day, at least speak it out, you know, three times a day, in the morning, the afternoon, before you go to bed. And get a verse of scripture and put beside it and begin to proclaim it, begin to prophesy, begin to speak it, begin to release your faith, and you will see things happen.